Hello and welcome to the Third Space Podcast, episode number 41, Daniel the Wedding Specialist. What could that title mean? Well, part of it, the specialist part, has to do with the topic that we begin the podcast with, which is a quick discussion about generalists and specialists, what those two different terms mean and what those mentalities might mean for our society if we go in one direction or the other. And then the remainder of the podcast, we spend talking about Daniel's multiple major life events that have happened in the last month and a half or so. He's not only moved to a new state, but he got a totally new job. And perhaps the biggest thing is he got married. Uh, we had not even mentioned on this podcast that he had gotten engaged. We didn't even get to talk about that before he got married. So we talk about his wedding, which I participated in uh, as a groomsman, not as, you know, a main member. Um, but we talk about his wedding, what was good about it, what was bad about it, and you know the fun parts and planning and all of that sort of thing. So uh, hopefully you'll find that entertaining and we will go ahead and let the episode begin. Enjoy. Bennett is having a podcast and so am I and we call it the Third Space, Third podcast. Space podcast with Daniel <laughs> and Bennett on the <laughs> Third, Third Space, Space Podcast. Podcast. This is the worst intro Totally yet. improvised. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back to the Third Space Podcast with uh, Daniel and Bennett. Thank you. At first uh, I was going to say thank you, but you're welcoming our audience. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. It's been a long time. It's been a while. Uh, I think our last, our last episode was uh, about two months ago. Yeah, um, yeah. So shout that, out to Zachary if he's listening. Shout, uh, shout out to Zachary, <laughs> our number one fan. Yeah. Uh, who doesn't show up in our metrics for some reason. So I, don't know. I think he just says he listens. Yeah, it's just posturing. I've never, <laughs> literally never met uh, Zachary. I've received zero pieces of fan mail, so I Yeah, don't, pretty I don't disappointed. It. From Zachary, at least. I mean, I do all this work to avoid the paparazzi, and I still I miss out on the fan mail. So. <laughs> You've worked a little too hard to miss the paparazzi. <laughs> yeah, I'm so good at it. Um, so I had uh, I had a thought a couple days ago that I thought I would just run by you. Kind of interesting, maybe. So okay. uh, I had this paradoxical. There's a paradox that I observed, and it has to do with how how people view society in the u.s in particular but kind of how people think about uh the the, the broad population so you, you can tell me whether you think these uh these views are accurate whether you have them because i kind of have them and how you know how you think they can coexist if they can at all so one one view is that people are idiots uh and then, and this is a view <laughs> that of course i've espoused many times but you see, you know, you see these man on the street videos with people getting interviewed, and they just say the dumbest things, and it's mind-boggling, right? How right, they don't know our president, or they don't know they don't basic know math, how many states or we whatever. Have. This sort of a, yeah, the dumb it, masses, right? The dumb masses. The dumb masses, and you know, we had a show, "Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader," which many people failed on. So it was playing on that idea. Yeah, that we, it's it's almost thrilling that. Everyone else is dumb, and that, in some ways, that's like the show Jerry Springer. You watch yeah. it because you feel better than. So we just—it's—it's it's nice to think if everyone's kind of dumb, the bar is low, and I—I I am over that bar. 
Yes. Yeah, I yeah, totally I, agree that that's a sentiment that not only uh, collectively we have and that I personally share. You know, you see a you see driving mistakes all the time and you mm-hmm. think like yeah. of well, course everyone's an idiot. There would be no traffic if people would just, you go. know, go yeah, when it's just, green yeah. and like there would be no boarding issues on plane. It just wouldn't be issues. So well, if everyone were like me, you know, the world would be a better place. But unfortunately, everyone's not, not like me, and therefore me. there is friction. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's a good example about traffic. Um, I mean, I, w- I was thinking like it, social media brainwashing. You know, people are just kind of stuck on it, and they you know, they just behave like idiots. You know, there's scams that are continue to be successful even though they're blatantly obvious. I mean, you're in the education field, and, and I mean, you're, I'm sure you see plenty of idiocy there. So it's just yeah. a very prominent view that that most people are dumb, and that it, it's it's amazing we get anything done. But now, but then on the other hand, there's this other view that the United States is an exceptional place. We have the best and brightest in almost all industries. We're a cutting edge. We have the best doctors, the best engineers, our GDP is super high. Like, you, you know, we're at the forefront of everything. And, and I mean, I'm, you know, this is a view that you hear a lot as well, maybe, maybe less often than you did at a particular time in the past, but you still hear that. And, you know, the facts, the facts don't lie. I mean, society in the U.S. is pretty good in terms of quality of life, comfort, you know, profit, opportunity, all of that stuff. And so you have these two things happening at the same time. Uh, do, you, do you think that both of those uh, views are true, or do you think there's maybe a flaw with one or both of them? Um, I yeah, I would agree that like that yeah, life is pretty good. America is pretty great, and then that we do a lot of things right, and we have a quality of life. Uh, my thoughts went in a couple different directions. One is that. Uh, in order to have quality of life, uh, like like if you said there was a standard quality of life and we were like one to two deviations above that, and I'm just throwing that out there, like what does it take to get there? And and, and I think it could be a few brilliant people. Mm. So like if America is known for being like the hotbed of creativity or, or inventiveness, then if you have creative people in positions of power creating products that it could then be replicated and sent to the masses you could still have dumb masses receiving quality quality of life upgrades thanks to the <coughs> you know the ma- the, ma- the major contributors um mm. so that that doesn't seem um contradictory so like we all get uplifted by that uh so so then so yeah uh so, i don't know it just kind of coincides easily in my mind does so it really seem that contradictory Okay, yeah. So you think that you know we have a small a small percentage of exceptional people and a large percentage of coattail riders essentially that get to benefit from the exceptional ones. I, th- I think that's true of any not just uh, like country but an institution, and mm-hmm. and it's a really negative framing to say that like coattail riders, the, the productive and the unproductive. It's really just that. It's kind of like not everyone can drive the ship, so you have someone driving the ship, and then where they're steering is where like everyone else is going. And so you could be a really productive member of a community, and you're just like 
for whatever reason, maybe you don't want the responsibility, maybe you don't want whatever, but as long as you're like, you, you value the leader and where they're going and you're just part of it and you, you could be, a, you could be extremely contributing or, or someone who's minimally contributing in this giant range and still, um, I don't know, still like enjoy the benefits of it. So, but yeah, I think despite that framing a little bit negative, yeah, like I think it's just impossible to have tons and tons and tons of major contributors that doesn't work uh, mathematically or logically. So sure. Yeah. um, I mean, I, you know, I agree with you. I I agree with you to an extent. Um, Well, music and entertainment might be different, right? You can have tons and tons of contributors and you could get like, cause there's some subjective on quality of that, but like, a quality smartphone, for instance, uh, the market just can't handle like 20 different competitors and different operating systems. So one, the best hopefully will emerge and, uh, and like hopefully they go in the, continue to go in the right direction kind of thing. I don't know. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. I mean, what you're, you're kind of, uh, you're kind of pitching this competitive free for all sort of thing where, you know, the best, the, the cream rises to the crop. Um, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, 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 and then everyone uses that best. And, and maybe part of that is why we're exceptional uh, in terms of, you know, innovation and all of that sort of thing. Um, it just, the, but the negative part comes in when you think about how many people don't, you know, don't contribute to that. They're just, uh, there's no way. I mean, I can't think of any nice way to put it other than coattail riders or free riders or whatever. I mean, people just get the benefit of, you know, living off of what everyone else has contributed. And I mean, I don't think that we're unique in that respect. That's happened, you know, throughout history. There have always been the people who, you know, they just live their life and, you know, they contribute in some small way in that they're a consumer in the economy and maybe they, you know, they buy from their grocery store and keep the grocery store in business and so on. You know, it's just, it's not a gigantic role in society. Well, you're right. It's a humbling thing to think I'm a contributing, upstanding member of the community, but I teach English and I don't know, I don't produce. Not even that good. Yeah. <laughs> well, not oh, that well. <laughs> oh, well, maybe you're better than I thought. <laughs> I, um,. Yeah, well, I don't know anything about the car or, or the microphone I'm using right now or the computer, the inner workings. I don't contribute to... And even if I do know about it, like you, you know more about it, but you're not in any sort of production. So your knowledge of it might be there, but like you're not doing really any more than I am. I mean, you you were doing code in this, you know, you're a coder in that way. And like, this, I don't know. Uh, we're this, all just so specialized. Uh, and like Perfect. Not contri- perfect. This, this, trans- this is exactly the thought that I had. So I've, I've led you there successfully. Um, so my answer to the paradox, um, you know, it's, it's along the same lines that, that you thought initially, but I think that the reason why we can have, why we can have the true statement that we're mostly idiots and the other true statement that, you know, we have lots of exceptional people is that we've become a, a society of specialists. Like, I think that is what has happened. Like, I think maybe in America's past, you know, when we were founded or even, you know, proceeding the next hundred years or so, we were a society of generalists. You know, you had your people on the, the frontier who they had to know how to build a house, you know, build a cabin, you know, take care of themselves in nature, hunt, you know, repair their machinery and tools. They had to have a broad array of knowledge. 
in order to yeah. survive and thrive. Now, we do not have to have a broad array of knowledge to survive and thrive. You just need to know your one thing, your one narrow area of expertise, and you know you need to know how to do it really well so that you can succeed. But you don't need to know how to you know, repair your dishwasher or change the oil in your car or make a hamburger. You, you don't need to know any of that stuff you only need to know how to, you know, open the dictionary and tell your classroom, you know, what what letter <laughs> to look at for today's lesson. Um, and I only need to know how to, you know, turn on my computer and, you know, type on my Put, keyboard. Press the to one one and the zero. Pr- press the, on the one keyboard. and zero in certain patterns in order to make make things happen. And that's all that's all I have to know how to do. But the the reason why I mean, uh, you know, some of the reason why I say this is because like when we do have cutting edge people who are, you know, outstanding in their field uh, in all sorts of areas, but they are also idiots in every other area. I mean, this is why you have, you know, the experts, you know, I'm doing air quotes there, talking about things outside of their field. And there's so much, you know, discussed with those people um, now and in recent times because. They, they talk where they don't have any knowledge and they're just as dumb as the man on the street in those areas. Yeah. There's, there's another thought I had and it's it's tangential to this when you were describing the situation. I was picturing a, a two different streets, identical in every way, but one's littered with trash and one's perfectly clean. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's near a gas station, whatever, just whatever you want to visualize. And my initial thought about my initial thought about one the one community with the trash everywhere, the, oh man, people litter and this is gross. And the other one's like, oh wow, people don't litter. But I'm not sure. What, what's interesting to me is most people, most of the time, are not littering. And in fact, the, the litterer would be super small percentage. Like it could be one jerk or maybe three jerks in an area. And so really the difference is that one area might be picking up more, might be cleaning mm-hmm. more. So like it could be all things equal and there's equal number of litterers, generally speaking. And, you know, there's probably some degree of variant, but in general, there's just going to be X amount of litterers in an area and one is dedicated to picking up more. And, and like as a person in society, I don't know how this exactly relates, but I think you can see that like, like, the relationship of, of, well, I don't know. I'm kind of losing my train of thought, <laughs> but, but I find this interesting, like as a society functioning and I look around and would say, Oh, this is a, this community's dumb perhaps, or this community, this area is trashy, but it could be one jerk and no cleaners versus one jerk. And maybe even just one cleaner. I don't know if like, if I picked up a piece of trash, it, it it's really hard to maintain like chaos can encroach, really really easily and sure. change perceptions about an area uh and, yeah. I was, and so like i think every, i could i could kind of blanket statement everyone's dumb and and society's gross and messes stuff up when it's just a small percentage of dumb people and other people kind of diffusion of responsibility say i'm not picking up someone else's trash which is sort of a reasonable position to have like you didn't litter you don't have to pick that up it's something it's gross i'm not gonna like involve myself and all of a sudden you have a gross community because of uh yeah of of that attitude so so if if i'm applying what you're saying to the generalist specialist uh sort of paradigm that i'm setting up you're suggesting that maybe maybe there are just a few specialists and a few 
generalists, you know, there's a few people on the extreme ends there. Most people are in the middle somewhere, and it, you know, some people make things great, and some people make things really not great, or, or, or is this yes. totally tangential? And uh, that's not, fair not, to apply. I mean, you know, I think I think of that people in the outer limits have uh, have uh, disproportionate influence on society. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that one statement, but I I actually don't I don't think. I don't agree. I, I think that we have been pressed into most people being specialists, and that is the downfall. And it's not like when I say people are idiots, like I don't mean that most people's IQ is you know below a hundred. Um, and like you're you and I are idiots in some areas. Like I mentioned, you know, like what's under the hood of my car? Like I don't know. I mean, can I change my oil? Yes. Like, but you know, I don't know how to fix my fan belt or whatever you know pistons um, pistons you know, say no more yeah. um yeah. <laughs> like I don't, you know there there are lots of things i don't know how to do because i don't have to because i've outsourced all of that need to other specialists who are specialists in, in that area and obviously you, you know this has many benefits um and it allows us to devote our time and effort to one thing and that's how we can become exceptional. But I, I think, and I don't know this, but I just, it makes me a little nervous uh, that, you know, we're all kind of out on this precipice. And if something major went wrong, something bad happened, like, well, I mean, we just went through a, you know, a two-year shutdown of things and people got a little wacky during that time and we all learned to distrust experts. But imagine... Uh, imagine there was a solar flare or something and it knocked out our power grid and a lot of our electronics for yeah. some prolonged period of time, two weeks, a month, two months. Um, and we had to deal with that. Like some people would just be totally incapable of managing their lives in, in circumstances like that. Right. Um, whereas when I compare that to at least my rosy historical view on, you know, the pioneers and that sort of thing, I, I imagine that those guys could tackle anything, you know, like if if a tornado came through and destroyed their crops or something like they're going to be able to survive or, you know, if a band of wolves came and was I don't know, doing whatever wolves do, barking, <laughs> barking at them and Bark, stuff. Barking like, at them. <laughs> you, know, you know, they could, they could manage all right, and because they knew how to do many different things. I mean, uh, what you're saying is, the more independent someone is, the more gener- uh, of a generalist they necessarily are. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, and you could argue that, you know, the there are pros and cons to both specialists and generalists. You know, with, with specialists, the pro is that you can hyper develop down your narrow path and do it really well but the con obviously is that you neglect the the other areas and you have to be dependent on others like there's a lot of trust in society exactly Uh, that's a key point um whereas the generalist yeah you have more independence you you know you have basic competence in many many areas um you know I, i i really admire the generalist sort of Maybe it's not a surprise, but I really admire that generalist sort of mindset, and that's it's something that I kind of try to pursue myself. Like I, I enjoy having basic competence in many areas. Um, I mean, I could see like old, like like fifty year old Bennett, like 
retiring early and like having till living off the fat of the land, well, you know, there, like I mean, having a garden and like yeah. truly though, like <laughs> you know, but still wanting some modern comfort so you wouldn't be like off the grid per se. Sure, but you would, I can see it. You know, I can see it. I mean, I sure I'm interested in that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I think I think the engineers kind of naturally gravitate towards, or or maybe generalists naturally gravitate towards engineering fields and stuff because they want to learn how things work it's kind of a first principles sort of approach to the world like you learn how the most basic things work and then if you're intuitive you can extrapolate and abstract from that and and uh deduce how other things work well and in addition to that i can imagine you or or maybe as an alternative to like you know maybe maybe you're not a garden guy but as uh as maybe 3D printers become more prevalent or yeah. things like that. You sort of construct, I can imagine you coming up with widgets and gadgets and things in the home and, and, and you just become a little quirky inventor of things, <laughs> you know, because you, and the cool part about that is the 3D printer, or at least that's how I'm imagining it. You don't, there's this whole separate skill set of like, you'd have to learn wood shop and metal and like learn how to like bend metals and, and glass and whatever, if you wanted to really like create things from scratch right now. But, but given 3d printing potentials, mm-hmm. like you, you could just, you're more in the abstract of like, how does this thing work logistically get the math behind it and then click the button after you've said everything and it like gets created essentially is what I'm saying. I've thought about getting a 3d printer. They're so cool and you can do, I mean, can do so much with them and they get better they're getting better all the time yeah Um, but but the downside so all of those are pros to to the generalist sort of outlook but the downside is that you know you you never progress far enough down one of those avenues of interest to become you know forefront in the field i shouldn't say never but you probably won't you know if if you're interested in so many things then you're limited in terms of your time and energy and so you're going to you know, you're going to spread out and explore many things without being able to... You have to beat out to, the, yeah, the specialist. Yeah. I mean, the specialists gonna... are devoting their life, career, all of their education, every waking moment to that one narrow area. Like, there's no way you're going to be able to catch up with that. Um, yeah. Unless, you know, I mean, maybe you stumble upon some amazing invention or, you know, physics law or something, and you can leapfrog. But that's, you know, that's extraordinarily rare. That doesn't really happen. So you're just not going to do that as as a generalist um but but the point that you made about the specialist the the specialist society requiring lots of trust and lots of interdependence as opposed to independence like i think i think that's a big deal i don't i don't know whether that's good or bad it just to me it seems risky right um very risky i've heard someone put it like this we're seven ways of we're seven meals away from chaos, absolute chaos. Yeah, that's at a good seven way to meals, it, yeah. Because that, think about that's like, okay, if you have a family and then you go breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then another breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and by the next breakfast, you're ready to fucking fight. And I, yeah. so, so I just, like, you're ready to go. Like, it, it is it is time to defend with violence or go out. Like, it's, it's, it's real. And that is... That is scary, like because that that I can imagine that scenario pretty easily. And seven meals—that's nothing, you yeah, know. That's, that's not a lot. And so, you know, it just it makes me think that it, if if it's true that we're a specialist society, and I think it is, and if it's true that we're going to continue pushing in that direction, and I think it is, then it seems like one of our goals 
as a society should be to foster trust. Like that should be one of our top priorities because we have to rely on each other in order to continue to have our, you know, wonderful quality of life and our exceptionalism and all of that sort of thing. We have to rely on others. And so, you know, for someone like me, it's easy for me to distrust people and like, I mean, I think, I think it's easy for a lot of, like, imagine the situation where, you know, you just move somewhere new, this is relevant to you, and yeah. something goes wrong with your car and you need a mechanic to repair it. Like, you know, you're not just going to go into the nearest mechanic place and just say, I don't know what's wrong under here, fix it for me. Like, you're not going to do that <laughs> because you wanted to have a mechanic that you can trust because... You know, I'm sure there are plenty of mechanics out there who would gladly rip you off. They see that you don't know what a piston is, and they're just going to tell you, <laughs> yep, your pistons are empty, and you're going to go, oh, okay. <laughs> Piston fluid needs refilling. Yeah, yep. and you're going to say, all right, and they're going to say that's going to be $2,500, and you're going to be like, oh, gosh, oh, so expensive. Well, I guess I got to pay. I guess yeah. I got to pay because I don't know any better. And like that that kind of society, you know, if, imagine that, everyone had that attitude towards every area, every industry, you know, your, your banker, your government, your police officers, your doctors. I mean, I'm saying these things, these different major areas of industry, and there actually is large amounts of distrust towards all of those areas, right? Like many, many people distrust their mechanics. Many people distrust their police officers. Many people distrust their doctors. So, like it seems to me like and we are schools, right? The school, education teachers, systems are now I mean, under intense scrutiny. Yeah, intense. All of these areas are under intense scrutiny, and it seems to me that this is very dangerous. Um, and you know, people. I, I don't know how this. These changes. are pillars of society, and like, and they are dependent upon trust. That is the the yeah the foundational thing in which society is built upon i think you said that is, is yeah. trust and then in if those are if trust is at an all-time low or eroding due to i mean i'll simplify and say like political do, I reasonings mean, yeah, due I to mean. bad actors in those industries like legitimate crit- people who deserve criticism but they're publicized and then you know they're all of the stories are shot through the, the bullhorn and everyone hears about them and, and therefore distrust the entire you know, the entire industry. I mean, it's not like the distrust is without reason. It's just that, right. you, like, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the solution to that really is because, you know, typically when there's something wrong, I, I would say, okay, well, it's the individual's job to insulate themselves from that sort of thing, which, you know, if I were to follow that, that tack, it would be, okay, all of you specialists out there need to start turning towards being a generalist a little bit more, learn how to do things, be self-sufficient, be independent. And I think that is, you know, that's a good general, <laughs> it's a good general strategy <laughs> to take is for everyone to just become a little bit less ignorant and learn how to take care of themselves a little bit more, you know, educate yourselves and become self-sufficient. But like that doesn't actually... That's an individualistic view, right? Like asking how do, how does the individual protect themselves, but on a societal level, yeah, it's like how do we... Yeah, I mean, uh, I think... How do we gain trust in these pillars again? Or how do we, you know, assuming we want a society that, you know, it, it, it is sort of gonna... If, if Assuming specialists is just the direction we're heading, like that's right. an irreversible... And, and that's a big assumption, I understand that. I, mean, but I, like, I think let, it is. I don't think there's any way around it. Uh, imagine if we stopped being a specialist society you know we would also stop being 
an economic powerhouse and we would stop being the cutting edge of everything oh yeah like, it'd be we, pressing we, we, pause on history in terms of like technological progression medical progress you know lots of things it would just be like all right gotta figure out how to hunt <laughs> let me buy a bow and arrow off of amazon no i gotta make my bow and arrow dang you know? <laughs> like it would just be a giant setback i mean you know the idea of spending my time in air-conditioned rooms talking about literature all of a sudden seems like uh, so indulgent you know mm. and so i mean i think that really the if if we're committed to the specialist path which we are and i think we should be uh, like you know one once one solution is to uh encourage people to you know on their own become more more generalist oriented but I don't think that solves the major problem. I mean, because we're stuck with these big institutions, we can't just demolish them and restart. So the only the only way I can see that succeeding is to radically improve transparency. You, I mean, that's that's how you foster trust, right? That's you, you. That's actually where I was thinking. Yeah, with trust, you trust through transparency, and then perhaps in some ways that's what's happening and the transparency has shown a lot of ugliness that maybe has existed for a long time but with you know all our advances we just see so much more and we don't know how to handle the degree of transparency and we don't know how to handle the misinformation and we don't know how to handle so much of it so like uh, and we I are think- in infancy stages of like almost so much transparency we don't know how to digest properly or discern what matters and what doesn't or what's real and what's not yeah it's just well, think think about this we're such specialists that when we learn about you know corruption in an institution or you know bad politicians who now we can see what they're up to we're we're such idiots that we don't know how to fix the problem anymore like people don't know that, People people have become so accustomed to sure you do you, you pick it and you throw things like, yeah, right. you think you yell and you make a sound you right. yell yeah. no exactly that's what you do you throw a temper tantrum because yeah. that's the only like we have An the, organized temper tantrum we have the mentality of two year olds when we're outside of our area of expertise and so when we see something we don't like we just go and that's that's it. Yeah. And or he gets people to sign something that symbolically represents <laughs> right yeah put the badge on your profile and like there you go you've done your you've done a your sign so- how do you spell m r e n n n n um yeah and and so like maybe my idea of push people a little bit more towards being a generalist would be good because then at least you might know how to tackle the bigger problems that you know th- that you're exposed to um or at least make suggestions for for how to fix them so you you might you might know how to pursue transparency better and so yeah i think you're right that we're kind of in the infancy stages of this but ho- hopefully people you know are at least aware of the problems and might change things for the better but that's just hopeful framing is what's going to happen is like my hopeful framing is that things are actually uh super transparent and that transparency just that's an opportunity though for people who want to manipulate or stir pots or do a force teaming technique politically speaking like oh this this is bad and let me just tell you that it's bad and then so it isn't that that there's 
not enough transparency is that that transparency opens us up for lots of abuse and and people wanting shortcuts hey interpret it for me i there's there's too much information out there i'll just listen to my or read my trusted team's source and and Mm -hmm. then i'll respond accordingly like i mean it just that's definitely true i mean when you're time limited you know, you can't research everything. It, if we had a truly 100% transparent society, which we do not. You know, I think there's a means. twisted sort of joy, too, in thinking that people are idiots. And so you, it's, it's, there's something... Well, uh, it's, the, it's the are you smarter than a fifth grader audience member phenomenon that you pointed out. You know, like, if you think everyone else is an idiot, or if you think that everyone else is immoral, then it makes you feel really nice and superior. Right, yeah. And so uh, that's... Ah, that's huge to think and or it's it's fulfilling to think it's affirming to think it gives you a sense of purpose it, it you you have a goal you have an enemy you, you that needs to be defeated it's just is it's an external enemy and it like it's good versus evil it's classic it's uh it's I mean, compelling yeah think think about this this just occurred to me too like when you talk about how you know what do we do when there's a problem we and we get our signs those people have become specialists in activism or complaining or temper tantrums like they're people that have actually molded their lives into becoming experts in grievance which is kind of a wild thought you know like that how luxurious of a life must we must we have if you can specialize in grievance also how upsetting psychologically like we know that if you are you know like being happy like take is hard work right you have to train yourself to spot like gratitude gratitude, is a learned skill you see it you recognize it you practice it and if you conversely if you see spot and recognize uh anything any grievances then you train yourself like that is psychologically profoundly damaging and like i i that would impact you to your core and how you operate in the world in really, really negative ways, mm-hmm. uh, both just socially and personally. I, I imagine that, I guess my thing is I'm saying that activists or professional grievance makers are, are they have a longer pathway toward uh, genuine fulfillment. I mean, obviously they're going to get rewarded by their own uh, social capital. You know, like they, they've developed this own form of... Uh, of affirmation and they're getting it so it's this weird well, mixture of they're specialized getting happy, specialized happiness as well right like they're yeah. only they're, they're they only gain happiness from their narrow um you know their narrow circle of uh of people but no broader no broader and it's happiness. a weird mixture though yeah it's a mixture of yes you're getting affirmation for spotting that thing you should be angry about but like then you have to follow through and be angry about it and so and then that we talk about paradoxes like that is difficult to consume is like yes i spotted it yes i'm getting affirmation within my small my niche group my you know and i'm I'm moving up the ranks there i've done something good i've collected my points of that uh, whatever capital i'm getting and then i'm also now uh, necessarily more miserable <laughs> because <laughs> i'm recognizing the misery in the world yeah. and then and then I mean, I imagine though that they, you know, in some way, like, they view, they don't view as just. Fun. I imagine just to play devil's advocate is like it's not a. They would reject this framing completely and say, 
like the truth needs to be told and I'm like uncovering truths and I'm, I'm a martyr, right? Like yeah. that's one of the most, I'm actually suspicious of any like self-ascribed martyrs. Oh, definitely. Uh, and they probably don't like, like if, yeah, like that is excuse making to the core to say like, I need to sacrifice myself for the betterment of society. Look, I'm doing God's work or I'm doing, I don't know, like I'm doing this, I'm doing something huge for, Mm-hmm. for a bigger purpose i mean it's all grand but the ego on well, it's you delusion delusion of <laughs> the grandeur. ego on you yeah, yeah. Like, that is a massive ego i guess yeah delusions of grandeur is the right phrase to think that you oh i'm suffering i am the christ figure you know yeah, I am. Right, right that is that's it that's no, taking yeah, on that's right. a god complex is what i'm saying yes is yeah. to think that you're so important that like your misery so that's again that's that with twisted way to be to feel good about your misery and i i i have some form of fundamental disgust toward that mm-hmm. um i had a colleague once and i won't go into details but say you know the kids just seem generally happy and it pisses me off I, <laughs> like kids they need to like wake up and realize how miserable every, like our job as educators is to make them miserable and i was like that is gross wow, what a terrible like, worldview oh, yeah, yeah what a I terrible mean, way to view your job like yep. that's totally opposite of the way i think a teacher should behave like a teacher's job is to 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 engender wonder wonder and uh like fascination with all the knowledge that's out there in the world yeah, um, yeah. with a critical lens yes and yeah, yes sure. that growth might be uncomfortable and it there might be an up and down but like like in terms of joy there might be some setbacks on that path i mean anytime you've you've uh dug deeply in any subject uh there are ups and downs in terms of your personal. Com- I mean, if you're stepping outside your comfort zone, if you're learn truly learning, that means you're constantly being surprised by information you didn't fully, and that, that that's really uncomfortable. And it might, it'll, it will surprise you, and it will annoy you because it didn't fit your preconceived notions. Notions, and when something doesn't fit your conceived notions, mm-hmm. that means you had something wrong, and it's not yeah. really fun to be wrong. So you're constantly sure. being told. In some ways, if you're learning, you're constantly recognizing where you're How wrong. wrong. You are. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and that's a frustrating concept. And yeah, the world is full of like terrible things too. So as you expand your views and realize how many terrible things and how much how corrupt things are, yeah, that's. But it's also full of wonderful things. So you know, you get to choose what to emphasize. And so, uh, yeah, if you want to emphasize all the horrible things and just, I don't know, I just the idea that our job is to make kids a little bit more miserable because. I mean, that's the assumption that the world I mean, really is miserable. That That's the fundamental assumption that it is a horrible place and they right. need to recognize that. And that's well, where it's, it's, it's also twisted. like it's also it kind of seems wrong because, you know, what what do people hold up as the beautiful thing about childhood? It's innocence. Uh, and, you know, it is that childlike sense of wonder and the ignorance of all those terrible, miserable things. And if you say it's your job as an educator to destroy that innocence. Like there's something kind of <laughs> sick about that. I mean, yeah. I guess from a certain perspective, I can see, you know, I can, I can understand at least part of the sentiment, right? Like you don't want, I do understand totally it, yeah, vulnerable, record, yeah. to- totally you don't want vulnerable. ignorant people. You're trying to, yeah, combat yeah. ignorance is what you're trying to do. And that's right, what you, the you, spirit of what they were saying was in. Yes. yes. The spirit of it. I mean, you want them to be, to be strong enough to, uh, withstand the difficulties that they'll inevitably encounter, but that doesn't mean that 
it's your job to foist those difficulties on them right now, you know, <laughs> like, yes, that, it's not your job for that. It's your job to prepare them, not to inflict upon them. So well, why, think, why it really annoyed me when it was the, this message was delivered, they were fundamentally frustrated that kids were happy. It wasn't, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that yeah, that's that that's just like... a um, that's a jealousy sort of thing, right? Like you know, yes. I, I'm old and bitter now. Why can't I be young and carefree and having? And happy since times? I cannot be, maybe I can. I'll make you know, them expedite their process. To I'll make them misery. into people like me, sort so we can commiserate instead of <laughs> it being a battle. Yeah, that's yes, that's pretty disgusting. Yeah, um, it is. What, one last thought that I had that's a, a little a little bit un, unrelated. Um, but when I was thinking about generalists and specialists, I wondered, you know, is there, surely there is a temperamental component to whether you're, you know, more, more prone to turn into a generalist or a specialist. And to me, it seems like, you know, with respect to Myers-Briggs types, I mean, intuitive types would almost certainly be pushed toward the generalist, uh, path, whereas the sensing types would be pushed toward the specialist path because the intuitive types, are all about abstract ideas and you know taking knowledge from one area abstracting it and applying it to another area which just it it, it fits so perfectly with branching out into many different broad areas whereas the sensing types you know they're all about concrete um, details and examples and and outside in taking knowledge from the outside integrating it and then pushing forward on their path and that's what specialists do right they they push forward on their narrow path of knowledge. They take the existing body of information, the concrete information, and they, they utilize it. And so it, it just seems a natural fit. And maybe like maybe what we see in our in, in the United States and maybe even more broadly than that is a reflection of the the demographics in terms of intuitive and sensing if i remember most the numbers, people are sensing yeah, yeah if i remember right. the numbers right it's about 60 percent of people are sensing types i thought um, it was even higher but yeah for yeah. for women it's uh i think closer to 75 percent um sensing types uh and so well and, and that, that would make, be reversed to be honest yeah wow well and and that makes sense too because you know as more and more women have entered the workforce over the past you know century or so you know we've become more and more specialized um, as well. And so we're, we're pushing along the specialist path. I mean, I assume if there is a, a particular, um, balance between, you know, intuitive and sensing, then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll taper off at some point, um, and find a, find a balance. But, um, it, it also makes me wonder, you know, we've talked about how mutable personality types are and, you know, what, what causes there to be more intuitive types or more sensing types? Is it totally, you know, not, is it totally based on genetics, or is it your upbringing? And could could we enter into this path where we are we're specialist society, we're encouraging specialists, and therefore we push more special, more more sensing types into the population? Essentially, we you know we right, select in twenty years, it's eighty five percent. Yes, sensing. right. We select for that because that's what's successful. And you know, will we will intuitive types eventually be pushed to the margins? Uh, I don't know. But it's just I mean, a, you could see if you want to like think about your like think of an old man who used to run a business and you know is trying to give the young person advice, but it's a little bit misguided because they're coming from a generalist perspective. When they ran their business, let's just say it's a smaller business, but they kind of did everything. They were doing 
the customer service, they were doing the marketing, they were doing the books, they were just like like a catch-all, right, for the business. And, and now that just really doesn't apply. And so then you get this sort of okay boomer, like, because they're giving right. advice to you and, and it, well, the, yeah, they're it saying, just doesn't you know, apply. Balance your checkbook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's still and, core values of like be responsible financially there, but yeah. even yeah, 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 right. Keep keep an eye on your on your budget and all that. That's the ult- that's the underlying message. But or even missing the idea that there are specialized teams that your small business has. Like you already have a person for that, and they're trying to talk right. to you about how you need to do X, Y, and Z. And you're yes. like, look, I got a I got a team for that. Like, right. and so that's a so I. I can imagine the older like retiree feeling feeling a little bewildered for the reasons you're speaking of. Like they're a generalist living in an, a, a, a specialized society, and not you know just not knowing where they fit and going, ah, yeah, I just and they so they can talk generally about a lot of things, but they can't you know they just they they're talking past the, the specialist. Well, another uh, another interesting thing though is that you know when you. When we think about this stereotypical generalist retiree, one other thing that you think of is wisdom. And you know, when you're a generalist, you can make those connections and you have the first principles ideas. And so, even though they may not know the newfangled, you know, iPhones and your, you know, your <laughs> fancy technological widgets, they don't, they don't know about those specialized things, but they do have insights into broader ideas so you can still get wisdom from those sorts of folks so it, yeah, it all absolutely. fits i mean it all fits but the and, sensing person or the general a specialist might not hear that wisdom that's you true. know because yeah. it doesn't fit in their narrow like their their so yeah that's what i mean by talking past each other like and that's the frustrating part is that the old person might be giving some advice that the 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 younger person is misinterpreting as outdated you know right because they're just have a specialist mentality and it might not be an old young it, it might be more yeah. accurately framed as a generalist specialist and right. that's or, interesting. or an intuitive sensing like yeah I mean, you, you and i have commented many times on how you know when an intuitive person talks to a sensing person it's like they're talking through some kind of opaque you know, wall or or something like that yeah. like, and you, the communication doesn't work right like you have to translate what they're saying then interpret it and, and then try to react to it instead of it just being natural. Um, and maybe that's what we're talking about. Uh, maybe part of the general specialist thing is temperamental and, you know, that difficulty in communication plays into it. Fascinating stuff, man. Fascinating stuff. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for indulging me. I, uh, I don't know. That just I'm sure people have talked about general specialist ad nauseum. I've never really heard anyone talk about it um but it just occurred to me that well that seems like an answer to the to the paradox of how we can be both idiots and brilliant at the same time and appear increasingly uh of both brilliant and yeah <laughs> we, we keep going down that road and it'll be more intensified as time moves on right um so shifting shifting topics to i guess the more the more mundane uh but, <laughs> but me uh, but also exciting. I mean, you know, we're talking about abstract nonsense here. Um, yeah. But you, part of the reason why we haven't had an episode in so long is because you've essentially changed your whole life uh, over the past couple of months. Um, yes, I you, have. You, I don't even think we mentioned that you got engaged on the podcast um, because, I mean, that was only two or three episodes ago. 
Uh, yeah. We just we never talked about it. And then you had an accelerated uh, a wedding, and so you're married now. I am married and living in and North Carolina, you, you know, a new state. You have From totally, Florida to North Carolina yeah, with a new totally job moved. and a yeah. wife. <laughs> you changed everything. You changed so much. Uh, and so, like, there's lots of ground to cover there. I want to ask you about those things. <laughs> Please do, because, yeah, those are the bullet points is that I decided I need to move jobs. Uh, and then once that happened, we were engaged for about two months uh and danielle said well like why get married in a new state new place with no connections because we were gonna have about a year-long engagement we honestly didn't know the the typical length of an engagement is a year and that makes sense and there's a lot of charts out there on like when and what you should do what stages of the wedding you should be at in terms of wedding planning and all of that and did you you look at all that kind of stuff uh, brief, just brief. I literally didn't know like what's the length of an engagement, and there is no answer. By the way, there's a no definitive answer, but there are just general trends, and I wanted I, that. That's useful to me, and I like that it's not a rule. That it's just like here's how it generally goes. And a year long engagement seems reasonable, and it also positioned. I mean, I got engaged over spring break to get married over spring break would be nice, and then go on a little honeymoon and yeah. still not miss you know school or anything like that. That just so everything made a lot of sense. She was the one who came to me when it was, this is even before I had my next job. It was just looking very clear that I would have a job mm-hmm. uh, elsewhere. And she said before, like, like we're not going to know where we're at and we're going to plan a wedding while you have a new job in a new city where we're trying to make connections. That's going to be ridiculous. Let's just get married here in Florida before we go. And I thought, what? That's the two months, two months before. <laughs> we." And then I kind of put my hand over my mouth. Like, why am I trying to like elongate what is, uh, in my opinion, uh, just a stress ball, money suck yeah. kind of thing. Even though, don't get me wrong, like, like I actually had a blast at my wedding, and there were plenty of moments planning my wedding that were really fruitful and awesome for our relationship. And we did what we wanted to do, and I was—I'll frankly just say I'm proud of that. And all, like, because we, you know, bucked a lot of tradition, but in thoughtful ways, right? We didn't just discard. We considered, and we thought how. Bucked authority or tradition is not the right framing. I would say we we considered tradition and we adapted it to our to what made sense for us. Yeah, I think that's so, what that's the role of tradition, in my opinion. Is actually so yeah. So I honored tradition. I wouldn't say buck. I would say I honored tradition in ways that fit us and considering the circumstances, the money, the time. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of different variables, and so. Yeah, like, and and when you do a wedding from scratch, let's just, I want to give you like an example. I mean, when you say it's from scratch, let's just say you decide what song to walk down the aisle to. That's great. And in a lot of weddings, that's that's your job is to decide the song. But when you do it like we did it, it's like we, we had a band and we hadn't told people we had a band at all. We had a lot of little, I would call them Easter eggs or secrets. So we had hired this band that were two two older people and they like played washboard and like Mm -hmm. you know one string like on a stick like your bass it was really cool and very like something that would be seen at like a uh, an underground bar like a hipster bar you know kind of thing or or like a or a country fair (laughs) that's one way to that's what uh, i thought when i saw it i mean it was literally an upside down like metal bucket with a stick on it and a string and that was the bass and then the guy it was really had a, cool the guy like how was it generating that sound and he had a banjo and like 
um, and he had like suspenders. And they, they yeah. for instance, they play frequently at this bar that is a speakeasy, you know, with like mm-hmm. silent films going on in the background and things like that. And so I was pretty uh, disappointed anyway. that you didn't have a silent film going on in the background <laughs> at your wedding. But the point is, though, you pick your song, and then the question becomes, well, okay. How are we actually going to play that song? And, and in a weird way today, like people have Spotify and different music, but like we didn't, it's like, okay, well, let, we, let's get the free subscription to YouTube music. Okay, great. We get that. Now what speaker, who, what's it going to play out of? Who's actually going to, pre- okay, we, so I bought like a party speaker for, you know, the pool and stuff. I was like, that'll be loud enough for the room. Okay, well, who's going to like connect to it with what phone or device? Okay, who's going to actually press play when it happens? Like, who's going to stop it from just immediately going to the next track? Or the who's going to make sure this... Hire, this the DJ yeah, that which, you hire Which for we didn't have one, right? <laughs> Well, the... Or, or the, uh, you know, two old people playing in the band. They were awesome, by the way. But, like, you know, so, the, like, my point is the logistical uh, just... Every little thing is like, okay, you order food, but what about keeping it warm? And do, do they serve with this? And like, because we didn't go through a caterer, we went through, hey, I love chicken sandwiches from this particular place. Can we just get those? And, you know, let's get some, a nacho bar, you know? Mm. And like, yeah, like, your, um, your wedding was remarkably, uh, I guess, self orchestrated. Um, like, you didn't, you didn't have, teams of organizers running around with clipboards and telling people where to go and what to do like it felt which which also at least from my perspective you know as a minor a minor participant made it feel um more comfortable and more casual i guess and less strict and stuffy and stodgy yeah, well, when you end up having, what, 37 people, we knew every single person. We had a relationship with them. There was a reason they were there. Uh, and this wasn't, and in that way, there was a comfort level. And the way we staggered, we rented a, an Airbnb. Uh, I'll just call it a McMansion. It was bigger, and, and it, like, could hold 11, 12 people or so. So, like, the wedding, essentially, uh, most of the wedding party, you know, and you know this already, but, like, Mm -hmm. that you guys came on Saturday for, like, lunch, and then we went to our favorite dive bar, and then we went out and had drinks and all of that, and then we spent Sunday recovering, relaxing, and we had this big barbecue, and lots of people coming to the wedding stopped by. And then on Monday, we actually had the wedding, uh, and that the reasons for that was, you know, Danielle's in theater, so her loved ones are also in theater, and they can't just... That's one of the more difficult professions to just miss a day, uh, obviously, because they would either have to find someone to stand in, or, uh, I mean, just culturally, you do not miss a day unless you let them know at the signing of your contract for some big deal, and then they can plan, you know, months in advance, literally, so right, right. you can't... So this Monday was a dark day for theater, so it also made planning a wedding in two months... Uh, feasible because venues, vendors, photographer, all that, like it was possible because they're backed up, you know, months and months, if not years in advance. So, so all of that happened. Yeah. uh, So let me ask this, just maybe this can kind of funnel, funnel your thoughts here. What was the, uh, of the whole wedding experience, I guess let's, let's put aside the engagement uh, for, for now and just talk about wedding experience. What was the best and the worst part? And and I guess you can pick something trivial, you know, small and trivial, or you know, more broad, just whatever you think. Like, what, reflecting on it, I'm sure you've reflected on it a little, and will continue to do so over the you know next however long. Yeah. But uh, 
where you are right now, what was your favorite part and your, your least favorite part of the whole thing? I guess I'll start with the negative because I'd like to end with positive, and that's how I generally feel is positive about it. Um, but the worst part, I'll get the money part out of the way. Obviously, money sucks, like spending a lot of money, and you go and you think, oh, $600 for nachos for 35 You know, it just, it just gets exorbitant, quick, like pricey, fast. Uh, and that annoys me or the the photographer being like photographer we wanted a great photographer that was a really big deal to Danielle and uh, I can understand if you're gonna have this like let's do it like magazine quality photos like let's do this and so uh, we got a great photographer who like heads up up, and he he said he wanted to come personally because he actually like I won't say interviewed us but he talked to us for 45 minutes he likes to get to know his couples a little bit and he was in a lot of communication. Anyway, he was like fifteen hundred dollars, like, yeah. like, and then tip and all of that. And then you tip. So everything photog- was you tip the photographer. I mean, we chose to to give that's him. So a, weird. I mean, I, well, we've, like, we've talked about tipping, but like, that's so weird to tip a photographer. I know fifteen hundred dollars for. I know. You know yeah. Like, you didn't tip me. Or the ba- <laughs> true i mean we didn't tip you either though so it's weird personal like, service you know everyone yeah, tips everyone all the time <laughs> um so the money thing was frustrating another frustrating thing is like uh when you're doing well i guess this would happen in any wedding scenario but uh we bypassed a lot of annoying things like who sits where and what mm-hmm. politics goes into that we just were like nah it'll be fine they'll figure it out um but I would say anytime you're working on something that everything, I mean, there's so many logistics that has to be sorted out. And so it's not just you making the decision. It's like you and your partner. So me and Danielle had to say the friction occurred when I would value, for instance, the thing I told you about the music, like Mm -hmm. I was very concerned about, look, we don't have, we haven't even selected a speaker to play the music or how, who's going to connect or who's going to press play or what device we're going to use or how we're actually going to get and she, for instance, she was saying that stuff's easy. That's gonna work itself out. So we were up to the, the Thursday night, Friday before you guys flew in and arrived, having not had that sorted out. And I was getting, uh, I'll say it, I was being mad about it. I'm like, <laughs> no, like no. And in fact, this is how I knew I was nervous is because I was pushing every day, saying, let's figure that, let's put that on the list of things to do today. And she'd say, it'll be fine. And I. And eventually I said, look, to ease the frustration and the tension for me, not to be clear, we weren't like fighting or anything, but it was just like, I was getting more and more annoyed. And I said, look, can I, can this just be, she, maybe it was her even. She just said, it'll be my thing. I'll take care of it. I'm going to take that off your plate because you're clearly frustrated by it. Uh, I'll do it. Right. Like, don't worry about a thing. I got it. And Mm -hmm. you can trust me. And I said, okay, great. Cause that actually was a smart way to relieve it from me. Like this is no longer my responsibility and I'm able to do that. Um, so this is how I knew flash forward, by the way, day of the wedding, like I'm arriving a little early before y'all and she's there early and we're setting up some things and all of that. And, uh, she looked at me and we had the speaker and we had some things sorted out. Like we were going to use her computer since she, she had things sorted out. She was going to use her computer. Uh, she was going to ask the band to play, press play, you know, all these things, mm-hmm. but she was a little bit behind. So she just looked at me and said, Hey, I need you to to do this, to figure that out. And I thought, and so I had a m- bunch of questions that I just peppered her with because I was frustrated. I said, okay, I'll do it. But like, 
you got to give me your password. I need to know how to. Uh, I don't know how to use your Windows operating system. So you have to teach me how to set it <laughs> so it does not close. Like in this case, you're I'd already a, had fifteen a, questions. So I, in in a form of, I'll even just say it was just rude and me being nervous. And so instead of just going, "Hey, I got it," you know, and being a good groom or whatever, I, I frustratingly or frustratedly like said, "Here are my fifteen questions. Then that you've got to deal with because this was on your, you know, this was." And I'll admit, I know I sound like a jerk kind of saying that, but like that's just where I was at. I was like, this was supposed to, like, I have been, this particular issue, and it's funny, I want to be clear, this is a small thing in the grand thing of planning a wedding, but like, it was just funny that that was I don't know, it sounds like a pretty big deal. It sounds like you have some regrets. Uh, (laughs) No, I I really don't. And like, like, I knew it would take, it's just that I knew that this was the moment you press play at to begin the wedding. Do you know what I mean? And so for me, I fixate. This is true of me as a teacher in the classroom on parent night. Anytime I have a a performance, so to speak, uh, first days, like I, I really consider the beginning of things because once like, yeah. And then I can roll with it. I can, like, it's difficult to flub up and then get it going. And whereas if I just smoothly know how it's going to go, I know my opening thing, then I, then I can be comfortable. Um, so that, so kind of, Oh, so back to, so the worst thing and that I'll to, to extrapolate and say that more generally, like when you're planning so many logistical things and honestly Danielle did so much of it while going to school uh just not because I was just sitting on my butt but because of things like you I did not know though, how right because it was summer I was definitely not I was planning you were I was just pl- sleeping and you know teachers don't uh, teachers have I was it planning so easy the, and they I was don't planning the move work. reading my books uh and and I mean, helping with the wedding but there you were moments quit your job so it's not like you had anything to do for the next year cuz it was a totally different job from, so from July 6th or so to July 23rd or whenever y'all got into town <laughs> I like that was the time I had off um she because we got married on July 25th by the way and so we uh, so if she cared about things like uh you know what color are the um table cloths going to be and like i i do care about aesthetics but I, I and i didn't know how to contribute i'd be like she'd show me things and i'd be like that looks great and it's kind of i understand her first she wants an honest opinion and they honestly looked all great and i just didn't have as much of an opinion so like that's that's so she would end up having to be the one to select it by necessity. I said, I will, but I'll just choose uh, the, the blue ones. Or like, like it, and it seems like the wrong way. I agree that that seems like the wrong way to choose. Like the person who cares significantly more needs to be the one making that decision. So, so sure. some of those decisions fell on her. She wanted to like, I mean, I think do that's the floral probably... patterns and stuff, you know, like or yeah. figure out how to do the flowers or what goes on the table, you know. I mean, I mean, I ran to IKEA with her and helped pick up some little flower, whatever, you know. Yeah. I tried. So, I mean, I think that this is probably. You know, I, I don't have a lot of. It's wedding, a female wedding industry. Experience. Let's be honest. Yes, that's yeah, what I was like going to say. Heavily, it's, a, heavily. it's a heavily female industry because the the woman is the one generally who cares way more about the wedding. And so, if you have that philosophy where the person who cares more should make the decisions, then well, it just naturally means that you know the the woman has more responsibility during the wedding so, and making all the decisions. So generally, yes, and the worst. So the worst part would be me valuing the timeline in different ways that she valued. Like we all agreed, that we both agreed these things need to get done, but these, uh, like I needed in my mind, I would get fixated on that music, and she was more concerned with doing other important things too. By the way, so like, 
that was where uh, like that I can see when you're planning something two two people are planning something big so much to do mm-hmm. you either just say here's a wedding planner and so then the friction of money and pay, paying right. so much it becomes and, a, a and factor then or you lose control too because and you lose control you, you're gonna yeah. get you know your wedding was an interpretation of your wishes instead yes. of your wishes yes exactly yeah. so you're gonna get like uh, I don't know why this popped into my head but this is uh, an experience that I had a long time ago that has never never left me and maybe you'll see why it's related so when I after college when I was going to interview for my very first job I had to buy a suit and I hate dressing up I hate suits actually your wedding is the first time I've worn a suit since the story that I'm relaying and so my parents took me to a men's warehouse and we went in and had to buy a suit and so we were asking like the lady there for all of her advice and everything and it got yeah. to the part where we had to select a tie and you know, she said, okay, what kind of tie do you want? And I was like, oh, I'd like a green tie, green, because I really like the color green. And she gave me this, like, really scrunched face, kind of contemptuous look, like, <laughs> you can't have a green tie. And she picked out two other ties that were, like, you know, red and blue. And that just <laughs> stuck with me. It's like, I'm the one so making many... the decisions here, right? Like, yeah, maybe you're the, yeah, you're yeah. the suit expert lady, but I'm the one wearing the thing. And so to, to translate this into your situation, if you have a wedding planner and you say, uh, you know, we just want to press play on her computer to play the song, she's going to go, uh, no, you can't just press play on the computer. Exactly. No, there's so many ways that, that the way the wedding industry makes their money is they would say, for instance, we did our, I'll call it a rehearsal dinner. It definitely was not, but we decided to get dressed up and go to our favorite dive bar. And we loved that juxtaposition, how fun it would be to go to our favorite place and like be kind of dressed up. I'm not nothing super fancy, but you know, like tucked yeah, yeah. in shirts, buttoned down, whatever, in a in our divey bar, the kind that would turn heads. Like it's a Floridian dive bar. It's like, you know, like not not probably the most dressed up that's ever been in there. Right. And so we liked that idea. But you can imagine a wedding planner going, No, absolutely not. Uh like that's tacky or or whatever reasons. And so there's so many uh planning the wedding and you if you look up what the traditions are, they're like everyone like that everything goes well look you only get married once hopefully <laughs> like that's like a standard yeah, can yeah. joke and then to do since you're only getting married once and this is about love the thing is don't worry about money worry about love and yeah, like very if you if you love them yeah so it's ultra exploitative and so that was a but that's being kind of a homebrew similar attitude that we had like and by the way at telling people in the time leading up that we were getting married and that like it was 37 people and the people that we're gonna it's basically a party like we're gonna party saturday chill sunday get married monday and party again and like and I, everyone older and wiser in terms of marriages and all of that or weddings excuse me they they were like, that is the way to do it. Now, maybe they were just being agreeable and kind because that's what I'd already told them that's what we're doing. But everyone kind of looked and said, ah, oh, that is the, the, I went, and they would share a story about how they went to a smaller wedding or, or how they regret that their wedding was big. And, yeah. you know, like it was just a, and so everyone, and I, I, hearing that feedback over and over makes me kind of believe it. And I think it's right. Like, I think we, yeah, even, yeah. even Dave said wistfully a little bit, he's like, man, and, and, and so did Wavy. He said, uh, you know, you had, 
you guys did it right. Like you partied Saturday, recovered Sunday. Like there was time, there was space. And by the time, like a wedding really did fly by. I didn't get to play with games with y'all. I didn't get to, <laughs> I thought with a small wedding, I would have too much time. I even talked to you about this beforehand going, we have so much time. I think I might need to have some games built in, some whatever. Like right. there was no, like it, for me, it flew by. Uh, and, and I was, you know, brief visits with people here and there. And then it was basically end of wedding kind of yeah, moment yeah. and so i didn't get to hardly dance like i i there was just yeah there was no just, dancing there was, there was no dancing even though it was a party and chill and you would think like i envisioned lots of dancing i imagined a long like party dancing but they just it, it almost went so quick that the, I, I just don't know it, well, like, it I, really I'll was say, a I'll, blur i'll so. interject right here that i think that your wedding is probably is probably going to be the best wedding i ever go to uh, yeah, including including if I get married, it'll be better than my wedding too, because <laughs> like I you know I won't have that you know I had very little responsibility. There was no dancing, like it was very <laughs> laid back and casual, and like I actually like I actually had a good time, which I never thought I would say about a wedding. Um, so like, I thought you might actually did. And I wanted to know if that was just my perception, if I was just in a great mood or what. But you seem to like genuinely have like throughout the whole weekend and oh yeah, I had a great I think, time. I think I everyone, it. I think I, everyone I do too. did. It was yeah, just I don't like think anyone really a blast. Yeah, like, I don't think anyone had a bad time. Like the whole the whole trip was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, pretty blissful. Of course, I'm biased and framed toward the positive. But oh my gosh, like it was just a, a, like. And, and what was great is actually, like, I planned that. It unfolded that way, and it went very well. Like, I've never had something – that's the biggest planned party, yeah. essentially, Aside ever. From, and, like, if I had complaints, it would be the the music. You know, there was a real gap. No one pressed play. And then the tablecloths. Those would be my two complaints <laughs> if I had to pick. <laughs> I'll go toward my favorite thing. There's so many moments I enjoyed. I enjoyed that the – okay, one thing I just said is I enjoyed that the plans actually uh, – played out i enjoyed all yeah. the camaraderie and all of that i mean all the general fun i'll just blanket statement say was amazing um but one choice we made was to do our vows differently uh almost as a, a spoken performance where we both we both spoke at this you know we mm. delivered our vows simultaneously in conjunction and played off each other it was like so, a skit it was like a skit and a little bit of a surprise where i started and then she interjected and it's like what is what is she doing was hopefully the feel we were, and then, oh, this is like a skit almost in which we address the audience and then each other. And uh, I think when you make vows, I, I thought about this and it was like, what, what would represent us? What would be cool to do? What would be memorable? Also, good vows, like if you, you, you write them, then you deliver them, and then it kind of goes away. People forget them or say, you know, you write some cutesy things. I don't know, but like we wanted to make it memorable and Personal. If you're going to act impersonal and if you actually do a vow toward each other, like if this is our first major act in getting married and like starting our life together, then shouldn't it be collaborative? And then hmm. Danielle actually came up with the idea. I was going to ask, I was going to ask whose idea it was. Maybe this is a compliment to, uh, to both of y'all for, for choosing to do it this way, but I couldn't figure out whose idea it was. Cause it was weird. It was very weird and but entertaining and i thought it went over really well and you know given danielle's acting background and your just general weirdness background i couldn't figure out <laughs> general weirdness i couldn't figure out whose idea it was so now now i know it was so Danielle's it was her idea and she 
she so there's this spoken word poets um sarah k and phil k and they deliver a couple of like and i've shown her years ago those poems and she said remember those like we could do it kind of like that and i was like oh my gosh and then i wrote a well, it was a collaborative writing to be very clear but like sure. i wrote a framework because anytime i've done collaborative writing it's not like i can choose one word then you choose the next and then you choose the next that would like, have been gotta good write. that would have been <laughs> someone's, <entertaining. laughs> someone's got to write something and then you got to play with it yeah. and so i wrote a framework that we then workshopped and and i left complete blank of like i love you because or i love the way you sure, sure, or sure. whatever and like so we I didn't write any of that for her, obviously, about me. So, uh, so yeah, it was like basically our origin story, then transition to what do we love about each other, and then and then the sort of wrapping up with the classical vows. And it went. Uh, the feedback we got was from people were like, even the the photographer. He's like, I've done uh, eight hundred plus weddings, you know, Gosh. personally, and he says I've never seen anything like that, and that was the best vows I've seen. And like wow. he said that like uh, blank. Like, he really just, wanted just that full. tip. <laughs> I don't I honestly don't think he had to. He was very he was pretty business like there or he was very like Yeah, he was. He was no I nonsense. appreciate it. I appreciate it. I really did cuz he didn't waste time. He was like do this, do this, do this. He was really funny he, enough. He was super personable on the phone and I thought he was going to get there and like I pictured him hanging out and having some drinks with us and chatting, but he was like he obviously like his job is to be complimentary and I appreciated his like he made us feel comfortable, but I maybe believe him he said this is such an unusual thing and some like her little her cape and stuff he said you know the, the getting published in sort of like wedding magazines they all have a similar vibe weddings have such similar vibes so anything a little bit different he's like i crave because like that'll get you in the magazines and stuff and he says oh there's a few of these that i'm i'm gonna like submit for publication oh you're gonna be in your the magazines so, uh, you're gonna be famous i might be in some wedding magazines he's wow <laughs> i can't wait to see you. which which ones i, I need to I have make no sure idea, my subscriptions yeah. are i have active. no idea <laughs> but but my point i, I he was he he seemed and particularly enthralled by like oh i got something unique and fun and like it's work it's working the vibe is working you know mm -hmm. um and so, and, and honestly, so here's a funny, and this is something I wanted to ask you, like, and I don't I have no, no delusions about what your answer will be, but like, okay. so it, well, first of all, like I didn't, I was not feeling emotional. Like I would cry. And then I, when I saw Danielle and I, and like the music swelled and she came and we did the, like, so I started crying to the point that I was a little, I was starting to get embarrassed and almost laughing. It was like, I almost, I had to stop myself from having a moment. <laughs> <laughs> like it could have gotten weird where I just started laughing and then not been able and like this would have been too much like it was it was it was almost too much I actually did have uh this this gosh like the whole thing was just super emotional and I I I, I walk away actually feeling that that was one of the most thrilling moments of the ex whole experience for me was was that moment but my question for you in general whether it was like the vow, any was there any stirrings of uh, sentimentality in you uh, aroused it by, at any point in in the wedding, perhaps over the whole weekend or in those in the ceremony? Um, pretty mild. Uh, I would say, yeah. I mean, there were stirrings. Stirrings is a good word for it. I, I thought, you know, I mean, you're you know, you're probably my best friend. And so, you know, some of the things that I said in my toast, I, I meant, you know, I definitely am uh, very, very proud to see your successes uh, and, 
you know, getting married is a big success. So, uh, you know, you know, I did feel some stirrings uh, during during your vows. You know, during the climax of the ceremony, such as it was. Um, now that you helped me out because the the weirdness of the vows made me, you know, I was just entertained. I was more entertained <laughs> than I was sentimental. Um, but, you know, I could certainly recognize your uh, your emotionality during those moments. And so, you know, I could appreciate that. Yeah, so I imagine that uh, I did, most I didn't people... cry very much. <laughs> Vows are, uh, from, from an outsider, maybe even perhaps a little boring. Like, you kind of yes. listen for one thing to then compliment them on later. But Definitely. Like, Vows but are people, so... But people seem... Yeah. They're people a, seem to actually kind of listen like yeah they're they're there's this this rote thing you have to go through but like it's, I, it's I, I mean it's everyone understands that especially if you write your own vows then it's just going to be a bunch of mushy in you know inside jokes and like yeah. oh remember the time we looked at the stars under that tree that we carved our initials into and everyone in the audience <laughs> is just like oh well, i guess but but yeah. but what you did was wonderful for the audience because you like while you had those mushy little moments you you made them entertaining by essentially making a skit out of it and so you know I could hold back my tears uh, <laughs> by <laughs> by enjoying the, uh, the the entertainment and I'll also say this with respect to uh, to the the vows like it was blatantly apparent that Danielle was uh, an actress. Um, and you were you were not not that you did a bad not that you <laughs> not that you did a bad job you did not do a, a bad job but Danielle like didn't look at the book you know she had it memorized and like, I know she was like making eye contact and like her presence was a stage presence and your presence was uh I have to, you know a participant the in, job in a skit like. You know? I would like to think that my if you were to hear just the recording, I'd be close to on par. But like, yeah, but yeah, maybe my, so. like physical physical presence, my look, my uh, dependence on the book, you know, my nerves were out like out of control. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. you were yeah. you were you were visibly nervous, but not uh, but but not to the point of ruining anything or even really negatively influencing it. It might have even had a, you know, from an from an audience perspective, it might have been a slight positive because you know it made it made. It made me realize I'm that I'm stepping it was outside real. my comfort zone. It's real. It's there's some degree of right. Trauma. Whereas I Danielle, so, I wasn't so nervous that you were like, "Oh God, is he gonna screw up?" No, no, not at all. Like yeah, whereas, yeah. whereas Danielle, she did such a smooth job. It made me think, "Has she been married before? Like, is this her second time <laughs> doing this?" Because she was so cool and collected. Like it, it seemed to me like she did this wedding was nothing for her. She was just like, you know, this is just another. She another was the queen. Day. Like. She yeah. truly can't gave off princess vibes with the the veil thing and not ve- like like cape thing like all sorts of yeah just I don't know just anyway so so you led me you 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 referenced so th- just then and this was my, so my favorite part was the, the toast oh the toast well, the vow the vow look vows and toast I just kind of put them almost together like it Fair is, enough. with these performances for performances, each other and yeah. like and like. That was just a blast. Uh, the they were sincere, funny. Uh, hats off to you. Like I, you know, God. Like, and I haven't re-listened to them, and I'm actually giving myself some space before listening to them. But yours, your framing of it was hilarious, and since you took you took us on a roller coaster, you know, and 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 actually was sweet 
too like at the whole and you're you really sold it with the flipping the pages and and so uh, for those listening he, he said i was really excited to give daniel and danielle a roast and then logan from the audience says no 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 a toast and you're oh no not a not a roast, a toast. Oh God! And you flip through the pages of things as if you can't. And he, here we go, nice things. And you put it on a sticky note, a tiny <laughs> sticky note. But but you're flipping through the pages was not a short winded. You you were muttering to yourself various things like inappropriate masturbation jokes, like right. you know all of this. Uh, very funny, man. Very funny. Yeah, uh, I, and, I'm I'm glad it, I'm glad it landed and it wasn't oh, that too really too weird. Good. No, I, I thought it was so funny, and and uh, I can say, as I was hearing people talk to us about all the toasts, like yours was a fan favorite. It just really, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I can't go on enough about those, and I can't wait to listen to them all again. I'm, I'm I purposely am waiting maybe a couple months until I'm you know like when I'm in the right headspace to relax and say you know what let's experience those again. Uh, <laughs> that's what I want because it, it'll be fresh because I'm like. The, the weird thing is the day after the wedding, uh, we drove to North Carolina, mm-hmm. nine hours. So, and I have been unpacking and unpacking and now I'm, you know, I started work last Thursday. So it's been a go, go, go. I haven't even ha- had as much time as you said to like process things. Not really. I just have to like now like internalize, Hey, I got work coming up or yeah. like setting up, I underestimated unpacking all those boxes i was like ah three days it'll be done like no i was really wrong about that and mm-hmm. so um i was at, it was 12 30 in the morning before the first day of work and i'm mopping the apartment and danielle's <laughs> like what are you doing because it's the last i told myself i'm going to be completely unpacked and i actually was around 12 or so and the place is a night so you have to like sweep it and then vacuum it and yeah. then and mop it one time because it is just you know, there's dust from all the drills and the little bits of plastic and all everywhere. So I just, so it's been uh, a lot of action. You know, I'm a, like, we all like act and we reflect and we act and we reflect. And I do a lot of reflecting, but I've uh, been kind of more, more acting uh, recently. So, and that's um, okay. <clears throat> before we move totally away from the, the wedding, I, I want to ask if there was anything really really unusual or surprising something you know i'm totally a wedding outsider um you know i've never planned a wedding i've only participated in like two two weddings now in my adult life which have both happened this year um and so like i you know i'm totally an outsider but was there any kind of bizarre insider knowledge or strange fact that you stumbled upon during the entire process either either personal to your wedding or knowledge about the weddings in general that you learned? Not a lot of surprises happened. I know like there was this, some website like easy cater that, uh, these, these restaurants would go have us go through and there's like an upcharge. So if you call the restaurant themselves and just book it through them, it's cheaper. And so we actually canceled our easy catering orders and booked it through them. Um, so that was, was sort of annoying though. It was like yeah, a that's, week before. That's the, back to the but, but that's ex- exploitation not, crap. Yeah. Like. So, so that stuff happened, uh, in terms of like surprises or something I learned that I didn't expect. I mean, I wouldn't have wasted the nachos just cause it's hard to make nachos and mm. like, it's actually hard to compile them on your plate with all the toppings and be ready, like worth it. It would have been better just to 
stick with some extra sandwiches or different types of sandwiches or something like that. I wouldn't have bothered. It, that was totally, if, if there was a regret that there, like that we didn't need to get nachos. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I, I have a great I'll chime answer in. for you. I'll, I'll chime it, in on that, on the food yeah. front. Um, the, uh, I agree with you. Although I ate two plates of not assorted nacho stuff. So it's not like it tasted bad. It actually was quite tasty, but in terms of oh yeah they were but they making them yeah, yeah managing it was a kind of kind of difficult to it was unwieldy you put plate unwieldy. you put some you, you grab some chips and you put them on your plate and then it's just yeah then <sighs> like you need you need to make it on something bigger because it just it yeah it, just, it didn't work out like I thought and, and um and and then I would say uh, taking pictures took longer than I thought that uh, uh, wasn't that bad uh, you it, mean we really. You well, like the, even just pulling us away, like the after the after the ceremony part, that took a little longer. Like he kept us longer. I, no big deal. I'm happy actually. Like if we're having this moment for the rest, you know, we'll have these awesome photos presumably. Right. Um, they he actually sent them the like two days ago. We're gonna check them out tonight because we're going oh, on a nice. hike after this, and we're gonna like cool. we decided not to just look at them as soon as we got them. We're like let's like have a nice date day, which this is our date day. But I said, but first I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> nice. Um, so. Uh, on the on the photos, uh, that's one thing that kind of that I noticed, and maybe maybe the photographer did a good job in getting lots of candid pictures that I did not notice. But the this is typical typical Bennett comment, I think. But all of the all of the posed photos felt really awkward to me. Like I wonder, I bet I bet all of the the posed photos that I'm in are gonna look really dumb. Uh, I'm curious because about I that. felt I felt very awkward in all of the all of the groomsmen pictures, and and I just can't like when we were when we were outside doing the post wedding pictures and he had you know each of us come take a picture with you like the stance that he put us in was so unnatural and weird and like that's gonna be a hilarious. I think that's going to be a very <laughs> funny picture because it looks it's going to be so unnatural. I will I'll like it if it's really unnatural, you know. Yeah. And I'll like it if it's good. Um I told him pre, you know, when we during our sort of interview or whatever what what our desire was, I was just like I like candid stuff. I don't care about pose that much. I mean, I want some your obligatory ones, but like yeah. candid candid candid, fun, cool, quirky, bizarre, odd, like those are the things I want. And so I don't really, yeah, maybe it's a testament to it. I wonder how many good candid shots he got. And, I, I mean, he'll send us six or 700 photos, you know, like yeah. soon. Or we've already got them, I guess. I just haven't looked. So I'll know more tonight and, like, probably save some of my favorites and send them to the group. Cool. Um, but, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I it, it's, it's with so much change going on and, like, you know, I've I've not had as much time to process as I would like, but I I had a blast, man. That's the thing that I'm happy about is I didn't know if I'd get time to enjoy it, but if it had only been one day, I would have been more yeah. nervous because all of that emotion would have been channeled to one day. I'm just so glad. I think the 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 if I were making a recommendation, I would say to anyone, I would say keep it small. What we did absolutely right were the major elements of mm-hmm. keeping it small, keeping it um uh like. The, the open bar was obviously fun keeping the food they doing it the way we wanted to do it uh and then multiple days and staying together all of that was just really oh and then like the little things like having logan draw the little cartoons of us yeah, and us getting cool. the water bottles and yeah, yeah, the yeah. little placement seats and like the little 
uh, the curly spinner, uh, fidget spinners, and the the light that we now have, uh, the, the cursive yeah, neon cool. light. Like we Spelled have that in the apartment in a really cool, cool way. <laughs> You'll like it in the apartment. It's really cool. Okay. Uh, the, nice. Oh, the apartment I now have is amazing. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask. Way too, way too expensive, but I love it. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was going to ask a little about the moving process. This is something we haven't, you know, we haven't talked about at all since you just, you know, you just moved essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, this is, I mean, this is not your first big move, you know, moving across states or, you know, relatively across the country, but would you say, would you say this one went pretty smoothly overall? I imagine it did given, you know, how used to it you are now. Yeah. The movers came and they found ways to upcharge. So outside of the money being more expensive and the, but, but like, and they, they let, I don't know if you know this, but the, the, the I'll call it the um, beam, the, the mantelpiece, yeah. you know, that looks like a, a railroad a tie. Railroad tie. Yeah. yeah. They just didn't deliver it and what? they're not answering me back. What? So, <laughs> now, the weird thing is they were, they it was the last thing to be picked up because he put stickers on things to be delivered and they have little codes to scan. And so... They had like we ran out there as they were leaving the truck, and the guy like said oh, they they forgot to, and it had a sticker on it, meaning it had been coded like yeah. as in their inventory. So they go, oh sorry, and then they put it on the truck, but it was not delivered, and they've not mm-hmm. answered a phone call, and that's about like a two hundred dollar, if not more, uh, like piece. So like yeah. I. I'll have to go back and look at how much I spent on it, but like I'm gonna keep pushing for that. But yeah. uh, they delivered it all. The logistics. I mean, honestly, my memory of this logistics of getting this getting this apartment was a nightmare for a number of reasons I care not to go into. But like the the company doesn't answer the phone regularly. They were doing forever with background check, blah blah blah. Just so many things to get this apartment, and then being overcharged, and then not having everything delivered, and then some plates were broken. I don't blame them for that. That stuff can happen. But yeah. like, uh, and then. The, the the guy after I mean I paid over a thousand dollars in additional fees and then then the guy kept uh, texting me about tips and so I just did not tip him because I was frustrated <laughs> I was very frustrated that they charged me so much more and then he's asking me about tips oh they even charged me if it's over 75 feet they charge 75 dollars so they charged 150 because it's on the second floor and who knows I said oh I didn't gosh. have any proof of I wasn't here for them to deliver it right so I so I'm just certainly not tipping uh, I don't know. blame you God and how so. how annoying. Right, so it was so that was annoying. That's, I mean, but, like that's a that's a bad idea from a company standpoint, like to set your customers' expectations at one price and then overcharge them and decimate not only that, their they expectations. Said they, in fact, they had a not they had a not to exceed X price. So I'm like, well, how are you going to charge more? Because it said not to exceed this price, and they said they gave me some nonsense about yeah, well, it's not to exceed that price in terms of cubic feet. But the thing is, there are more boxes than you than we anticipated, and because I asked them to give me an, they said, "How many boxes is your apartment?" Because we went through and did an inventory of everything that couldn't be boxed, and they said, by the way, I asked the guy, "Did I do a good job?" And I said, "You did perfect at that. You did not estimate the boxes appropriately." Because when I said, "I don't know how many boxes," they said, "35's average." I said, "I have about an average amount of stuff," <laughs> um, and and it ended up being They're like so 55 imprecise. boxes or 60, yeah, yeah. and so. But they, I, I believe that was intentional. I think that's something that they do regularly. Probably so. It sounds like they're just rip-off specialists. Yeah, yeah. And so did they come on time? Yes. Did they de- deliver on time? Yeah. Um, did they handle the items with care? I mean, presumably. Uh, 
like they wrapped every like they well, wrapped I mean, like so you, things like that didn't need to be wrapped in tons of yeah like, that i remember it, they did that with my when i had so they, they, they were a professional business but like they i, I would say though how many plates for how many broken things did you have well, that plate thing was actually upside down when they delivered it. So I think it fell in the truck, and then they just like whatever didn't flip it over. So, so one one broken plate, one missing. No, rail, most rail of them. I have to replace. I would say eight, like nine eight, nine broken plates. Nine the whole broken, thing was basically nine yeah, broken like, plates, one missing railroad tie, and a thousand dollar extra charge. That's pretty bad. I would. It's I pretty would, bad. I would estimate that as bad. In my recent move, you know, I didn't use movers. But I, I packed myself. I did have movers carry boxes, you know, both to, out of my apartment into the storage bins, out of the storage bins into my new apartment. But, like, I only had one broken plate and no missing items. Uh, and so, like, I think I did a yeah. better job than your movers. Yeah. I would rate, yeah. I would not tip your movers either. I would be actually pretty pissed uh, about your moving situation if I had to pay all that extra money. And then had a box of broken plates and a missing item. Oh yeah, I'm didn't frustrated. return my calls. Mm-hmm. What happens? I mean, I'm uh, gonna keep call. I'm gonna keep calling, but it, I don't. What happens if you like ask for a refund? Do they like come grab all your stuff and move it back to Florida? Yeah, I'm wondering about that. That's why they're <laughs> just not. They're not gonna answer the the like. They're gonna disappear on me. I mean, yeah, I don't know what else so. to do. But that's why I went ahead and bought a new floating shelf entertainment system thing. You know, mm-hmm. I was just like. Not while I, I'm not going to wait and see what happened. That thing is, I mean, who knows where that thing's at, you know? So, yeah. uh, but I've decided like, look, in the grand scheme of things, I got a, I got a lot to concentrate on and I'm going to continue to call them, you know, like once a week kind of thing for a while. And, uh, I'm not going to let that like embitter me because I have a tendency to, to let something like that, you know, like, oh, this is an injustice and I elevate it to this, but it occupies so much of my headspace that I don't have time to give. Yeah. So it's just as in terms of me calculating my happiness, uh, sometimes I'm going to have to eat some injustice. And I think that's true for everyone, by the way. Yeah, yeah, so sure. I've just, and that's not okay. I'm not saying that's okay. I'm just saying that's just the way. This is a, it's the way it it's is. just the way it is. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything? Is there anything else to say about the about the move? Um, at, um, at this point, I'm just thrilled with the apartment. I really want to show it off to you. Yeah, um, I can't wait to see it. I'm gonna be super in... comfortable. It's the best apartment I've ever lived in in terms of. Um, not necessarily cool factor like my downtown one, you know, in yeah. Florida that time with a brick wall and it was older. It was just like the right. cool factor was off the charts and the location was for that area off the charts. Right. Um, I have a great area, but this is the most comfortable. Like it's vaulted ceilings, it's new, everything's pristine. Is the second the- floor the top floor? No, there's four floors. So, uh, but what's so good is no one, no one's beneath me, um, and no one is to one side of me um, because I'm near near the staircase that's not used often. So, when you say no one's beneath you, you mean for the moment? There are garages. Or, there are uh, garages underneath me. I see. So I don't that's have cool. to like I work out, and so I don't have to. I was actually concerned because I jump up and down and do a lot of things. Right. That would be obnoxious. You know, it's yeah, five yeah, forty-five yeah. in the morning. I'm like stomping, stomping around. around. Yeah, like, that would be. Really but now annoying. I don't have to worry about that. Um, and the wall I have, uh, yeah, I don't share a wall with anyone because it's a stairwell. And so nice. I, I just, I re- oh, and the porch is 
um, like this, this is the first time my ceiling above me is not just like, it's covered completely and it stormed really bad. And I walked out while the wind was blowing toward us and I was not getting wet. I don't know how it was so good, yeah. but it's actually a big porch, uh, for a porch of a, of a, to be clear of an apartment yeah, porch. An apartment, it's big. Yeah. And, uh, and it's sort of, it's framed nicely. So there's lots of shade. And I just was like, this is the best porch I've ever had. It's just, <laughs> so I'm thrilled with all of that. I mean, I'm paying a premium price, so I'm, I'm getting the premium product I wanted. Um, you know, it's got an island with a sink in it, so that's a big deal too. It's got a big, um, a big refrigerator. Everything's just nice about it. So yeah, I want to see it. I'll I'll be in your new state in about a week and a half, um, but not in your not in your city, unfortunately. I've got a work a work trip that popped There's up. There's no way to arrange a. a... Uh, I don't think so. Well, we'll talk more offline about that. So. Yeah. Um, what about your job? Uh, how many days have you had actually in the new job so now? With Thursday and back? Friday were two new orient, new teacher orientation days, and then next week is full just teacher professional work days. Like, so you so haven't just, begun classes yet. No, August eighteenth okay. actually be the first day with kids. So, mm. so there's not, they're probably not all that much to to talk about at this point i'll say this yeah no it's just the they were incredibly kind everyone leads with their best foot forward so it's hard to tell anything quite yet because in my old school there's two orient teacher or teacher orientation days that i attended as a mentor sometimes and helped even collaborate to help construct and like everyone like the some of the language and the rhetoric's the same like hey we're kind of like a family here and everyone's kind and just reach out and then also here's too much information about everything. Here's a checklist and all the available resources. It's kind of like the first days of class when you have just, you get a syllabus and you walk away going, oh my gosh, I feel a little overwhelmed. Ah, but mm. really, you know, you're going to unpack it over a year and it's going to be fine. Right. Um, so that's my thoughts on the matter. But the, the difference between this place and my current place was that whole leading with kindness thing. Like there's, it seems to me that this kindness is for the most part like sincere and true like my i got paired with a mentor yesterday and he was very kind and he's only been here a year and he was pretty forthcoming and truthful like i you know basically i trust him he wasn't just pay, giving the company line and he said right. no i'll tell you everyone here truly like, sincerely it's it's a nice place everyone is kind everyone is they, it, this place is as it reports <coughs> itself to be because my only suspicion is my previous place purported so itself to be the that, same, yeah. said the same thing and delivered it with, I mean, it's a sophisticated school that delivered the message convincingly. And then you would start to understand that that is not true. Well, this is also a sophisticated school delivering that message convincingly. Yeah. So I'm just, well, time will tell, I guess. Time will tell. Uh, and my hopes, there are small indicators that it seems to be, true uh like like in, in a deeper sense and also any institution is going to have its warts and i'll find those out as uh, as we go along but like that's okay uh i'm not in a hurry to find out the warts because <laughs> i got a lot of other things to concentrate on and uh and i'm excited about it. like i'm i'm thrilled and i'm excited that i'm not like i'm not even incredibly nervous yet i will get incredibly nervous that's just my nature but right now like i'm just happy to like be getting to know colleagues and stuff so. is there going to be anything uh different or unusual about your class 
setup or the way you know the the nitty-gritty of your teaching job like yes or, or will it all be kind of similar to what you're used to it will be similar <coughs> okay no, the, the the two things um i'm teaching an, uh, a ninth grade class world literature pretty basic read books write papers i mean yes it's different than that but that's a simplification of any english classes reading literature and writing about it um i'm teaching a composition class for 10th grade and that is so there's only like one book is that the first read. time you've taught uh, a composition class i would argue that ap language and composition is well oh, it has composition the same in the name <clears throat> but like yeah it's shorter informational text and writing a lot more writing and well i get to write that. uh debate essays again uh honestly if i am given the opportunity to introduce that i think that might be a, a something coming your way and it will also be a 10th grade uh mixed bag of students so <laughs> my point is what does like, that mean AP, oh, does that mean i might get bad bad ones or good ones you might get students who are not quite as talented. If you're in AP Lang as a junior and senior, oh, I see. I, you, you I, yeah, know, I get you. whereas if I just have like, <clears throat> yeah, you, you might just get a student who's low achieving or something like that. I don't know. Um, I don't know though. I don't know yet. And I don't know if that'll be an opportunity, but it, th there's a chance if it's like writing a bunch and we do some sort of rhetoric unit or something like that, then I will certainly be pushing some debate <laughs> essays. So I really will. And that's exciting. Um, another thing is like, and I, I, I don't have my schedule yet or anything like that, but um, well, I don't have my own classroom. It's a shared space, so there will be times I'm like I have oh, a that's desk annoying. area. So that's I have my annoying. own. There's a there's an English teacher like. Where are you gonna uh, put your phonograph? Well, there's an English teacher lounge, and I get a um, I get a desk, and that desk. But like, also every other teacher will be in there, and you know, a bunch of people working at a desk. I don't know. I, I, we'll see how the vibe. That that's all kind of unknown. How that'll how that'll unfold. But that's how actually the previous school was too. And but it works out where there's either an empty classroom or no one's teaching. And let's let's say ideally all my classes are in the same classroom. And so that means, yeah, sure, someone else is in one other period or maybe two other periods, but not all of them. Then I don't have to leave during a, a period mm -hmm. that it's empty. Maybe. Um, I have not been assigned duties and things like that yet either. So I assume that's going to come where there's like a lunch duty or a whatever duty. Right. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But right. And also they've not hit me up for like running the student forum or government or whatever. They haven't hit me up to do additional things, which I'm pretty happy about, but also curious about because in independent school world, you just, you just get asked to do other things. And so the fact that I haven't been asked, I'm like, I'm waiting for it to like, just go ahead and ask me if you're going to ask me, ask me so I can wrap my head around it. I don't want to be like, the day I mean, before classes asking to run a program, you know? I mean, maybe they don't. So do that with first you know, that's first what i've heard year. is that they try not to ask first but i like i know there are two other english teachers that are going to be new this year and one is helping out with debate and one is doing something else i forget so i'm like huh they have not uh they're both doing something and i'm not and like okay <laughs> we'll just see what happens so uh because i want to be a country i also want to demonstrate my value right like i'm new i've got an ep a reputation to earn and uh, i look forward to doing that and so i'm, I'm gonna invest in like going to games and right that's your like big that thing early. like you this is this is go time for you it right? is because absolute go time it's the beginning it's the first thing like we talked about so. right you have to like gain all of your momentum and all of your cred and probably a big bulk of your social capital like this is the time to earn it uh, so that you can hoard it or spend it as you know as needed later. Like, this oh, I'm is, to this you're is totally it. right. 
In fact, uh, and this, this will sound, but so uh, I was emailing my department chair and she, she seems awesome. She really does. And she, uh, she had told me she was, um, she was a, an assistant director to a play in town and that was tech week. So she was really busy and sorry if she didn't respond to emails and I'm like, Oh, what's the play? Like Danielle and I love supporting the arts and she's in the arts too. So we bought tickets and went to see that show. Uh, and it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and it's cool that she's, that my department chair is in the arts, uh, you know, work and like, like it also helps like, I, it's not like I'm trying to manipulate anyone, but it was just cool to be able to support her, make a connection there. Like, there's a lot of reasons, and I love going to plays, so it was like a win-win-win. And like, I'm just gonna go do every opportunity like that that presents itself. It's like, yeah, I'm going. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So, I yeah. look forward to hearing all of your about the area that you're in and uh, stuff, all the stuff that's there. Um, I'm walking distance to a Whole Foods and like a whole lot of like kind of kind of swanky uh, restaurants and places to eat. So. Uh, yeah, I went to a delicious Mexican restaurant called Chewy's, uh, and it, it was fun. It's probably some place we'll go when you, when you come. So, uh, hmm. it's neat that it's all walking distance. That's just a really, yeah. it's exciting to be in a, I, a cool I like spot. that. I like having things walking distance as well. That is really Everything nice. is around me is super new, clean, and well manicured, and like kind of, uh, the kind of place Adam would look at and scoff and be like, it's, it's suburba, suburbia run amok. Like it is right, unbelievably, right. you like the criticism would be that it's kind of soulless and like the, and you know, basic white girl, like, <laughs> cause like they're going to like, there's a fountain and there's like, it, everything's pristine and feels like it was built in the last two or three years. And it feels, uh, and I, and you know what? And it feels safe and I like it. Like, I'm not going to be ashamed of that. Uh, how but, far but do you right have there. to go? How far do you have to go for hiking, decent hiking and stuff? You said you're going uh, hiking after there's this. There's one so. 23 minutes away. I was looking at top tier, but there's like really good hiking, like 40 minutes away, and like and a decent one 20 minutes away, I think. So, hmm. and that's like 40 minutes away is getting into like you know mountain territory hiking, like really good hiking, I think. So better hiking than I had access to in all of Florida. Well, definitely, yeah. There's no mountain in all of Florida. <laughs> yeah, but so, I mean, even just if if you go to the Everglades or something like that in Florida, I just yeah, sure, that's like limited in how great it is to right. me. So, um, how is it? I mean, you said that you can walk to different restaurants and stuff, but just for casual walk, is it a is it a very walkable area? Like your previous so, place in Florida, I found to be. Probably the least walkable, like the least enjoyable walkable area of places that you've lived. That, so that on one side anyway. of me, yeah, if I, I'm going to oversimplify here, but I'm, let's just say you have your restaurants and beautiful area that's walking, but like also that's parking lot and shopping center stuff. So you couldn't do that, say, with your shirt off or like, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and then on the other side of me, there's some woods that I have not found any trails and I'm being very disappointed because I was like, God, this would be a great place for some trails, but it's so overgrown that you can't oh. like, no, like there's just not going to be walking in that. And then on another other, the kind of the last side of me would be, uh, these suburban nice houses with that. It, the neighborhood's so new and these are like zero lot lines almost with yeah, like a perfectly manicured front subdivision that are, it's yeah. big though. Like you can't walk all of it in one walk. So that's your sort that's of the walk area. That's your walk area. Um, there's a parking deck near me that like we started in the previous place when we were, when the wedding was coming up and we were trying to get in really good shape, but like it was too hot out and there weren't, wasn't enough shade. We walked in that parking deck and actually learned to really enjoy it. We even jogged in it cause it was 
surprisingly the wind once it like like a little breeze will really carry through a park a small parking deck it was not this like i thought it would be still and like terrible but it was really quite pleasant and there's a parking deck here as well that we've been if you let's say it's noon and you want to go on a walk and it's just so hot out like that's if you're literally just looking to move your feet like that's the place to do it but obviously as far as aesthetically that's pretty low <laughs> yeah, pretty freaking low. parking that's maybe the lowest you could get um and then the suburban like the these neighborhoods are really nice but again even though they have these trees you can imagine these like planted trees in the last couple of years and like even though they're like a little they're, they're maybe like 20 feet tall and so they're not casting much shade and they're it's not a it doesn't feel like to me an ideal walking spot is you're you're in this trail in which the yeah, woods have, you're completely shaded like that's ideal yes. to me and that's so i don't have access to that right now yeah um so that's disappointing but like there, I mean, it's, it's in terms it's, of walking it's pretty good i'd put it up there with my place in uh when i lived in saint pete uh yeah, like, yeah that air so like that was nice walking, but also limited. And that was more city. This is, this can be, it can feel like the city if you want to go over to the restaurants and it feels like the, um, you know, suburban, whatever, if you walk in the neighborhoods. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm also right across from the gym. And since my mat hasn't come yet, I walked to my gym, which is fancy, swanky, nice because it's, it's funny how apartments have changed a little over the year. They used to have a nice clubhouse and a pool and a workout space. Mm -hmm. Well, people still want their workout space and they, it, but that's even changed where they have more bikes and like more like dynamic, like place for like people who do CrossFit and a place for people who do. So it has like different elements and different workout equipment. And then it still has a nice pool, but clubhouses, no one cares about those anymore. Yeah. Uh, and they need to be functional, almost game rooms, if anything. And so right. there is like a, like a game, like there's a ping pong table, a pool nice. table. Yeah, ski ball. They have freaking ski ball. We can play. Uh, I don't care about ski ball. Um, Ping pong is the the real winner. Yeah, it's a nice indoor you know thing. So we'll get to play that. There's an outdoor chimney just sitting out there. That's really I love nice. outdoor chimneys <laughs> with some some Edison bulbs strung all around. You know, love Edison bulbs strung all around. <laughs> There's a rooftop lounge that's nice. So. Ah, those are okay. <laughs> I love rooftops. <laughs> I would never buy a house without a roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so and walking to that gym right across the street has been easy for me because it's I might have the clo the closest apartment to the gym. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I think so. So yeah, cool. I can't wait to visit. Uh, I don't know when we'll be able to <clears throat> arrange that. There, not sure. You still haven't visited me uh, here either, so. Yeah, no, I, I really want to get out there. Um, I want to figure all that out. So I'll send you my school calendar at some point. We'll figure all that out. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to go hiking right now. Sounds sounds good. Yeah, good to uh, catch up on all of your uh, events. And that explains our podcast, our podcast gap. So yeah, uh, you'll probably be pretty busy with the school year starting, but we'll maybe we'll try to keep up our, our podcasting schedule and I'll have I to like I'll have to get back on to like actually doing podcast work and coming up with some interesting things to uh to talk, <laughs> to talk about, about. cuz it's been a long time we haven't done superpowers and drawbacks in a long time yeah, we, everything's we need, at play right we, yeah, we need we a good mind your morals like yeah we need we need so much to do yeah so we'll take care of that all right, all right that's the end of our uh, of our podcast goodbye <laughs> da -da 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 -da. 
Bye. 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 Bye.